don't. I mean, the Niners were crap all game, weren't they? Really? They were, yeah. They were rubbish. They deserve yeah. to lose. Sorry for any 49ers fans tuning in in the first six seconds or as dunking on San Francisco, but they, they unfortunately deserved to lose yesterday. They had every reason to win that game. Uh, the Chiefs were crap. The refs were very good, which is a rare conversation to be having in any sport, and the Niners bottled it. Yeah, there was no big controversy, was there? At least I, I don't think so. There wasn't any like some gigantic like, oh my god, how did they not pick up on that passing for it? It was just, I thought it was actually really, really dull for quite a large chunk of the game. Uh, there it was, was, you know, yeah. Uh, like I quite enjoyed it in the way that there was a lot of like turnovers early on, and it was like it was dramatic because it felt like it was like on a knife edge of like mm. who is going to give it up first. And it turns out that actually no one was going to give it up first. They were just going to amble their way through four quarters of football and then almost a full quarter of overtime before they decided to play for about three snaps. And then just a war of attrition. Yeah. 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 Ugly, Um, ugly game. Uh, Speaking of ugly games. (laughs) Well, it wasn't an ugly game uh, this weekend. Uh, Just an ugly, ugly result, unfortunately. Um, And, there are few, few things uh, more horrible in a f- sporting format than conceding a goal with like quite literally the last kick of the game. Um, it's been a while since Albion fans have had to deal with that sensation. I have not missed it at all, at all. <laughs> like It's the first time in ages I've just turned the game off and I've been like, I'm done, like, and just walked away. Yep. Uh, how did you feel about it, Adam? And welcome back, by the way. I feel like it's been a couple of weeks since... You've been able to come on, so yeah, thank I don't you even, for, I don't even remember returning. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> no, I'm. Uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I've been performing about as much as my uh, salary is for this show, so that's uh, <laughs> as effective as I've been. Um, yeah, the, and it's annoying because I wanted to come on last week, obviously after the games that we had, to talk about those, and instead to get to come on and talk about this fucking result. So I did the same as you. I nearly flung my phone across the room. Uh, at the end of the game but then after that I decided I didn't want to think about it and I I just simply didn't think about the game and I went away and just lived my life and pretty much until now so you've just descended a large cloud above me again that's how I felt after that game yeah likewise um and I mean there's probably a reason we're doing this on a Monday night right like the Super Bowl was yesterday obviously we've got two of us based in the US a lot of people have plans but I think we all just use that as a nice excuse to just give ourselves another day to kick this can down the road. Uh, <laughs> <can't I>? uh, <laughs> but uh, the, the can has come home to roost. So that is the same. Talk about it. Yes. Uh, that infamous can. Um, so let's talk about it. Um, that starting lineup, uh, probably one of the best starting lineups we've been able to field uh, as a defensive lineup, like unit in quite some time. We actually had, a genuine back five. Uh, Esther Pinion is a real-life left-back playing at left-back. Lamptey is a real-life right-back playing at right-back. Uh, and we had two real-life centre-halves playing in their actual positions, uh, along with Jason stealing goal. Further forward, not so great. Uh, some Sometimes maybe good, sometimes maybe shit. Uh, Mitoma, yeah. back, back in the reckoning. Uh, Pascal Gross in the lineup as always. Uh, but we did have Adam Lallana, making uh, a full start, which is rare. Uh, and Welbeck leading the line after Mr. Jao Pedro went down with a hamstring injury in training. D- 
this week. How brutal is that injury going to be? And what did you make of that lineup as a whole away at Tottenham? Well, two very different answers to that. The injury is absolutely horrendous because uh, obviously he's been, he's the guy. He's been the guy, especially in Europe. Uh, and I, I, you know, I don't know how much time he'll miss if he misses. Is there expectation around missing European games? If so, how many? I don't know the answer to that. Um, which is which is tricky. And obviously, I think in in this this was a game where you almost feel like he could have been a difference maker. Very easy to say that because we didn't live that reality. But um, God, it would have been nice to see him either start or or come on. Um, Lalana was a weird one, wasn't it? Uh, we all laughed before the game, just like what at what minute will he get subbed off? Like it wasn't, it was a case of when, not if. Uh, shockingly, lasted a lot longer than I expected. Uh, I think when did he come out? I'm trying to look here in terms of when he got subbed off 57 minutes. minutes. That yeah, is, I didn't James know he had that said. many. Minutes. So James's best friend Ansu Fati. Uh, that sounds like James Elliott has some thoughts on Ansu Fati's performance. Oh, I do uh, as well, actually. Days, yeah, but we, we can will get, get into to that, that though, James. Yeah. Don't worry. <laughs> no, but this was this was a decent this was a decent group. I mean, I think the the only thing that you end up still missing when you look at this is you just still don't have an out and out defensive midfielder in that group. Uh, you've got two deep line playmakers sat there with almost zero metal, and I, I think. When you play a team like Spurs, you know that you're going to need that because they're not going to sit back. And by the way, I absolutely, I really enjoy when we play Spurs. And I've said this a million times because, you know, every time we play them, we'll have a real game of football. And we had a real game of football. Uh, and outside of the ending, it, it was a decent game. Um, but yeah, it was an interesting lineup, wasn't it? I, I, everyone was maligning steel before the game. And I think people would probably uh, came to regret that because for, throughout a lot of the games, just it was also very, very good. So, um, yeah. Made a couple of really good saves, didn't he? Um, unfortunately, the the issue with both goals is rest firmly on that, that centre-half duo uh, and their positioning, not so much the, the goalkeeper that's behind them, um, which, you know, you can't win, can you, these days, it feels like. Yeah. Um, it was a bit of a rough one, uh, but we've got, you know, early on, game started out really well. We were all over them, really, that first 15 minutes. It was a really good start from the Albion. Uh, and we got, our, I mean, well, we got what we deserve, really, with the, with the penalty. Um, did you think it was a penalty, first and foremost? Any complaints do you think Spurs can have about that? There was a couple of people online complaining that it was Welbeck who trod on him. Uh, replays didn't seem to show that at all. But, you know, what were your thoughts on the penalty and how were you feeling realising when Afa mentioned Jao Pedro wasn't on the pitch? <laughs> I was very, very nervous. And yeah, I, I think it was a penalty for me. Like, there was there was no no question there in my mind. Um, I was very, I thought, I thought, I thought Gross was going to miss. I really did. And it was, it was an interesting penalty. It's not like it, it didn't, you know, bringing a great deal of comfort, I'll be honest with you, but he still smashed it away. I think I saw someone online basically uh, say it looked like he was trying to play a cross-field pass, but from the penalty spot, and it very much felt like that was the, that was the penalty attempt. Um, so, no, I, I had no problems with that. It was, uh, I think it was a decent decision, which was weird because the ref was, as usual, back to the standard 
standard process with with the Premier League. The ref was absolute crap. I thought he missed so many challenges. He did so many weird, made so many weird decisions. Um, but that one he got right. Yeah, I don't think there's any complaints at all. I, I I don't know how they can be upset about that, especially given a year ago we had a literal match fixer uh, on the in the other in the other dugout and one of the dodgiest results in like Premier League history. Yeah, yeah. That was <laughs> oh, can um, I can I say one thing though? Just before you, yeah. you asked about the starting lineup, I, I want to add one additional positive there. This was the best bench that we've had in a long time as well. Um, you've got regardless of opinions on what he actually did when he came on. Antti Fatty, Joel Veltman, uh, Evan Ferguson, Baliba, Verbruggen, Webster, Moda, and then a couple of the, the youngsters as well. And, and obviously we saw uh, Boati come on and looked fairly decent for the handful of minutes he was on the pitch as well. That was that was good. And, and let's not forget, we just we just had AFCON winner uh, Simona Dingra, who was fantastic in that final as well, uh, is going to be coming back soon. We've, we've heard... And CISO is fairly close as well yep. to coming back. Suddenly, we're, we're that that bench is going to be well, and the starting eleven as a result of that is going to look really, really nice. I think we're hoping, hoping we're through the worst of that horrid injury crisis. Yeah, we're definitely going to get to the Afcon at some point properly before we wrap up the show today as well, because we've we've got yet more like incredibly prestigious silverware being brought home to to the Albion, like. In, in the way of Simona Dingra. Um, and for a club like us, like it like it means like a lot. Like Alexis saw it with the World Cup. Like there's a lot of like Brighton fans that were very, very, very happy for, for a Dingra yesterday. Um, but we will get to that because it really was a like it was, I mean, arguably like he's the one who brought it home. Um, but penalty goes in, easy peasy, one nil up. And you know that it's still going to be just like an absolutely hell to skelter game of football from from then on anyway. Um, but it felt like personally um, that once the goal went in for large swaths of the game, uh, we were pretty pretty under the cosh, weren't we? For large large stretches of this football game, um, seems like there was a lot of uh, like, and I suppose this comes with the territory of such an open game as well. Because it seems like there was just such a variation of opinions online uh, and even just in various Brighton chats and stuff that some felt that Brighton dominated the game. Some felt that Spurs dominated it. And some felt that we should have won. Some felt that Spurs should have won. Like there was a, and there was so, such a variation of opinion on it. And I think when a game is this open uh, and, you know, the, the stats show that it was 52 to 47 percent possession. So, you know, that like there's not a lot in it, right? In terms of having the ball, all that sort of stuff. But to me, I think that really like Spurs pretty much dictated proceedings in terms of creating chances from then on. Yeah, I don't I think one one would have been a fairly okay result. Uh I I didn't really feel that because it's tough because you've got to factor in the momentum as well. Because you could say that Spurs had more of the ball, more of the chances, and they did throughout most of the game. It wasn't it wasn't drastic, but let's be honest, like they had a lot more shots than we did, like significantly. Um, but at the end of the game, we were the ones pushing on. Like we, we should have, could have won that game at the end. But obviously by the various wackiness of, of, of what makes up this football game, we contrived to concede at the end, which was, you know, inevitable. But we could have 
gone on to win that game at the end 2-1 and that wouldn't have been unfair um i think the the other thing if you if you want to clutch at some straws with me a little bit uh i think i can't believe i can't believe romero didn't get a yellow card uh why i couldn't believe and you could argue saw should have been off the pitch as well uh he already had a yellow card put in a dodgy challenge as well which i would have i think if he didn't that classic like silly if he didn't have a yellow card he would have got a yellow well, give him a bloody yellow card then that's the rule um so invariably blue one? He'd, he'd get a blue one yeah get him out for a little bit <laughs> sit there for a while and then yeah get on with the game but uh no i don't think it was unfair i think spurs were spurs played the game pretty well but at the same time I actually think we defended very, very well for most of the game, for most of the game, with a couple of glaring exceptions. Um, but we defended fairly decent. There are some caveats to that defending, which was I thought our wing, our fullbacks were not very good. Um, Estupinian, really not good. Uh, so uh, honestly surprising that Spurs didn't capitalise a little bit more on some suspect play on the wings. But centrally, we were very strong. He's struggling without that cover, isn't he? Like without that Caicedo cover, Esther Pinion is really struggling as a defensive fullback. I so find. should be, should be really. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I, I I agree though. I think that you know, in a different in a different world, we come out of that as a two-one winner with a late goal as well. Like, and I think most fans would agree that you'd rather go out like that than play turgid football for 15 minutes at the end trying to steal a point right like i think that there's not a lot of complaints coming out of it of like we could have we should have could have won it but we didn't and it's almost like well we're less than 24 hours away from the super bowl being finished like it's almost it's we were very detroit lions this this week we <laughs> we we went like yeah. all, all and we're happy to like and we'd rather lose that way than take a point in a different way um but it is it is what it is. Um, I think that you know those fullbacks are struggling without that defensive cover in midfield. Uh, and when you've got a strategic or tactical decision to have uh, Van Heck follow Madison around the pitch, uh, we inevitably then open ourselves up to uh, issues as and when that, that back line is not covered appropriately. Um, and that's really the story for both goals that were conceded. What did you think of that, though, um, that coverage for Van Hecker and, and James Madison? Um, obviously, Richarlison was their, was their main man up top, um, and Werner and Kulosevsky, obviously, are the ones being marked by uh, Lamptey and Estepinion. And, you know, it, <laughs> Madison is everywhere, really, isn't he? He's obviously having a really good season. He had a great season last year as well. What were your thoughts on on? I mean, like frankly, like a massively ballsy decision to have Van Heck follow him everywhere, even if it was into his own <laughs> box, essentially when no one else is in there. Yeah, it was interesting. Uh, I I think it's especially interesting that that was the decision made in the game where uh, De Zerbi was not in the same country uh, to sort of monitor it. I know he was sat somewhere in Italy with a bunch of gauze in his mouth, like dictating stuff <laughs> over the phone or whatever. But sort of imagine in that situation, you, you, if you're going to do some scheming that's bizarre, you maybe you want to be there to witness it. But look, I know this is such a weird, silly thing to say, but 
if not for the couple of times where it was specifically caught out, I think everyone would be saying what a masterclass it was because people are already praising Van Hecker's performance and rightly so because he was very, very good. Um, and if he was following just what he's been told to do, which is to push up and get involved in the play, cover Madison, which by the way, let's, let's, let's take a step back here as well. This is the only game where we've seen Van Hecker march forward fairly often. How many times have we said recently where you're like, why is Van Hecker on the edge of the opposition box, like doing a you know, one-two? Uh, he's been doing that a lot. And it just so happens that today was he was a bit more on uh, today. The other day he was a bit more on top of Madison. Um, so I don't I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it. I hated the fact that the, the couple of times it didn't work cost us. And that's just the way with these things. Yeah, it really was as well. Like it was literally twice. Like we just, it just got away from us twice and they scored both times. Uh, <laughs> but I, I mean, when you have Son on the side as well, because I mean, we'll get to that point, the second goal as well. Like that, that is such a difference maker as well when you can bring on Hillman Son uh, to, to kind of try and capitalize on that opening uh, in the back line. Um, going at halftime, 1 0 up, everything's looking pretty good. Ansu Fati comes on for Adam Lalana. Shortly afterwards, we concede uh, with with Saar and the goal that followed. Um, again, we just just talked about it a little bit, really. That the Van Hecker being out of position um, and and the goal that went in. And after that, it tended. I thought after the goal, we we then turned it around a little bit. There was a a lull from Spurs um, and uh, a chance fell. To Mr. Ansu Fati, uh, that James Elliott was talking about in the chat just a little bit earlier. Um, he was just talking about just about how much Fatty is worth and his ability compared to his worth. Um, what did you make of that mischance, Adam? Because that's when you look back at this game and you look back at the result, you can point to one specific, very, very good moment. Um, where we really should have at minimum hit the target. And frankly, if he's hitting the target, he scores. Um, I believe that that was almost the entire 0.6 of the XG that we had without the penalty was solely that attempt. What are your, how do you feel watching that? Um, and what are, your, what are your thoughts on Ansu Fatty and his return with uh, with a couple of scathing comments in the chat? Yeah, not great. Not great. Uh, this, but this is Ansu Fati's career up until now, uh, and I think someone's posted. I've seen a couple of the memes for Tarek Lamptey recently as well. By the way, there's different parallels on a slightly different scale between the two players. Lamptey's someone had put like, if you haven't seen this, there's a little circle with arrows going around the outside of like Tarek Lamptey's uh, sort of progress throughout a season. Is that he starts playing, gets injured, uh comes back and has a man and a match performance and then gets injured again and everyone says to sell him and it just repeats uh, ad infinitum. And that's that's kind of what Ansu Fati... with Welbeck. Yes, sorry, oh, I missed yeah. the Welbeck picture, yeah. <laughs> that's basically what Ansu Fati does. He's done that through the time in Barcelona, right? He gets in suddenly like, oh my God, this guy's going to take over the world. He's so young, he's so talented, gets injured, suddenly then takes him ages to get back up to the speed of things, looks like crap, eventually starts to then bring in those couple of games. You're like, oh my God, is Ensu Fati? Ah, he's injured again. And that's the that's just what we're going to get. Um, he just, for me, just didn't look up to game speed at all. So slow uh, with a lot of the passes he received. Um, 
got closed down immediately. Couldn't couldn't deal with the Spurs press and the pace of that. Um, it's almost like you you sensed he was a guy that came back and thought he was still playing La Liga football, and then realised he was in the Premier League. Um, and yeah, it sort of culminated in that. I don't even know what he really did. Right, he just sort of just towed it wide. Um, it was horrible, wasn't it? Not just great. Horrible. It's a sort of also like if you put this team on paper. So the last person that you'd say that would do that finish, um, and it was turns out he he did do it. Yeah, it, yeah. Um, it was not good, uh, and it, it it does. I mean, we're we're middle of February now, aren't we? Like, it does have a horrible uh, vibe that we may well be just seeing yet another season of the same for Ansu Fati. Uh, I think it really is imperative for him and his entire career, frankly, to not get hurt again between now and the end of the season, right? Like, you think if he gets done again for another six-plus weeks, like, you've got to think that the question marks are gone at that point. Like, there are serious concerns from the Barcelona side as much as anybody else, right? Yeah, but again, we go back to the thing that we always say a lot about players like this. With all due respect to to, to our club, Ansu Fati doesn't play at Brighton Hove Albion if it wasn't for this problem. So he's starting for Barcelona, and that's that. Uh, it, instead of being replaced by a 16-year-old, it's that's just the, the the situation. Unfortunately, you just hope his career doesn't end up going the way of I don't know why this name comes to me, like a Darren Anderson or something like that, where it's just <laughs> you just become known for your injuries more than anything else. Um, but uh, I don't know. As you say, hopefully he's got some time to figure that side of things out. It'd be great if he didn't get injured for the rest of the season because we need him. We absolutely need him because with Jao Pedro's his hamstring, right? Yes. The, these things, those timelines are always suspect on hamstrings. They never properly know when to... I was like, oh, it could be three weeks. It could be 18 weeks. And, and it's... I mean, again, looking at the NFL, look at Cooper Cup for anybody listening from the US. Like, everybody thought he'd be back for week one. I think it was, like, what, like, week 10. He came back mm-hmm. and he did his hamstring in the summer. Like, we're talking, like, t- six months almost he was out for. We saw this happen with, new, like, Kazenga Lawalawar back in the day mm-hmm. would, like, pull a hamstring and you'd be in, like, someone would test, like, Oscar Garcia would say he'd be out for two weeks and he was gone for, like, two years. <laughs> yeah, no, and that's, and that's, that's tough. And especially when you don't have, we know how Evan Ferguson is performing or not performing at the moment, maybe the better choice of words. Uh, we don't have a lot of other options there because of the interesting approach to the January transfer window that we had. So, um, <laughs> but you, you can't say that apparently, right? So yeah, I, the, the hope there is that he, he, just, he does actually stay fit, but who knows? I, I'm sighing here because I also just remember the Hinshaw injury that came out like not long before the game as well. Yeah, Jack Hinshelwood is out for the season with a foot injury. He's going to have to have foot surgery. Uh, Apparently just did today. I assume. Um, so he's done. Uh, in, in in better news, in kind of like Brighton giveth, Brighton taketh away in terms of the physio room. We did get Joel Veltman come on, though, back on as well today, or yesterday, as you, as you were saying, because um, I'm getting it wrong horribly as well. Uh, who knows when we played the game? So, yeah, some point. we had. We have been Toma back, obviously back from injury. We've had a Dingra back playing for the Ivory Coast, back from injury. Uh, and as as we needed really desperately at fullback, Joel Veltman has came back and at least was able to play and is fit, presumably, to 
put in a lot more minutes against Sheffield United. Unfortunately, with the loss of Jack Hinchwood, uh, he's going to have to get up to speed again pretty quickly, isn't he? Because we're down a fullback now uh, and we're now needing another one. So it just never seems to end. Yeah. Um, and I'm also, I'm trying to look on the replays as well, how he was positioned for the the second goal. It's, I, I don't really want to draw fault, but he was tracking back and he just got caught on the overlap with Sun and he went to the runner and then Sun, we did, they just had an overload on the left-hand side and he was the only one trapped back there because we so pushed up. So it's not really his fault, but I don't know. He's going to have some rust on him as well, isn't he? Uh, he, yeah. he just will. Um, I really do. I, I wonder how this season would play out if Belabor was more ready to play football games. For, I'm for so club. glad you brought him up. Because the more he comes on, the more he feels and looks ready, doesn't he? Like, maybe uh, yeah. it's just the, like, maybe it's the 15-minute effect. But, like, he looks up to it. Like, we haven't seen him start in ages now. Like, is it not time to start him again? Like, yeah. just give it, like, and, and like, for, for what it's worth, I thought Gilmore was excellent on Saturday. Yeah, he always is for the most part, isn't he? But, like, is it not time to, like, discuss the idea of, bringing him in and pushing Gross up, especially with Pedro hurt and CISO not quite ready yet, Fatty on and off. Like, we know what Pascal Gross can do up there. Like, why would we not want to see that option possible for us? If we've got Mitoma back, we've got Adingra back, you know, would you would you be like averse to having Pascal Gross sitting behind Evan Ferguson? I mean, if you have, if you need anyone to kick him to life, it's having Pascal Gross next to him, right? Like, I mean, it just feels like Belaber is looking more and more ready as we go. I'm, I'm surprised that we haven't seen him play slightly more minutes now. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm a bit shocked. I think, I, I imagine what is seen by the coaching staff with him is that he is liable to make maybe some rash decisions. And then when you're a side that is so reliant on not making rash decisions, being very careful with your build-up play when those moments strike such that, and we saw a lot of this, as you, we see it every game, but you saw it in Spurs. There's a couple of moments where the ball just pimbled and bulleted across five different players and we suddenly got out on a break. Like is, I think they maybe see Belabor as a, as, a, as a part of that that maybe doesn't fit perfectly at the moment and he doesn't have that part to his game. Can he break up the play well? Absolutely. Can he build the play up well? I think that's where the question mark is with Deserby. And if that falls down, suddenly your whole outlet to actually create chances goes away. Um, so that that's my only thought around it. Yeah, I would love to see Gross play further up. I mean, Gross, there's only two players in the Premier League that have more assists than Pascal Gross. It's Kieran Trippier and Ollie Watkins. That's it. Like, so, yeah, I'd love to have him sit there and, and actually see if he can... I mean, there's only one player in the Premier League, right? Like, since Pascal Gross came in that has created more chances than Pascal Gross. And that is arguably one of the greatest footballers of his generation, Kevin De Bruyne. Like, that's the only player that has created more chances than Gross has. And I may be a bit biased because I think KDB is, like, one of the best players on the pitch whenever he plays. I think my, my take before he got injured and still is now, honestly... Is Kevin De Bruyne is is the best footballer in football uh, right now? I'm glad that we are we are 
fully aligned on that. Uh, so, yeah. yeah. I'm sure someone will be listening to this going, what on earth are you talking about? There'll be people saying, he's not even the best player on Man City. I don't, we don't care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely not. Uh, let's talk about uh, some of the other players, though. Um, the less said about the heartbreak at the end, the better, really. We've talked about it a little bit. Uh, defensively, just out of position, stretched, wildly stretched, frankly. Um, and it felt a human song to to square the ball as easy as possible to Brennan Johnson, um, who annoyingly had been absolutely shit all the way through the game until that point. Uh, so, yeah, of course, it, it's pumped it in the back of the net. He is a massive Johnson as well, isn't he? Because why why is he doing the Jao Pedro celebration like it's some like weird rivalry? But he did it wrong. Like, he didn't screwed even it, it up. Right. And like, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? The guys, why are you mocking a guy that's now out injured? where you've, you've come on at the end of a game, you were crap and you just got given a ball by one of the best players in the world that honestly, even Ansi Fati wouldn't miss. Like, why are you, what's with the celebration, mate? Chill out. Especially when you saw like less than a week ago, like almost half the Spurs team burst into tears when Neil Mope threw a dart yeah. at an imaginary dartboard. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's just, it's just, it's just nonsense. What is he? Tw- he's 22 years old. I mean, he's, he's He's young, but he's old enough to know better. He's the kind of kid that will gritty on you in FIFA, like after the score oh. goal at the 95th minute. It's like, get a life. But yeah. I don't know if you saw, interestingly, on that cross in from Son, because the way we were pushed up and everything, our, our central defence was made up of uh, Belabor and Estupinian. Uh, and Van Hecker was nowhere to be seen on the screen. Dunk was pelting back, but obviously doesn't have the pace to properly get back. Veltman was, was as we mentioned, was was trying to cover the wing, but had Son running ahead of him. It yeah. was, uh, yeah, not a great end. I think that summarises it really well, really. Like, right, like your centre-back duo was Belabor and Estepinion. Like, and that's that was the decision we made. We wanted to go all out to get a win. Uh, and we left ourselves hor- horribly rotten at the back. Um, yeah. Man of the match for the game? Um, I mean, I think you you did mention Gilmore. I thought Gilmore was very good, but I also, the, the no-brainer thing would be to give it to Van Hecker if it wasn't for the, for the, the fact that I guess it was, he, he giveth and he taketh away at the same time. <laughs> uh who is it for you? I mean, I think it might still be Van Hecker for me, maybe. Uh, well, you were looking down, so I recommend it after this show's finished to go back and watch this because I just sneezed so hard my headset flew off. Uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, um, I will, I, think, I will go and watch that. I think. Do you know what? Controversially, I, like I think my man was probably Jason Steele, um, huh? because okay. he made about five different saves that kept us in it massively. Do I think Verbruggen makes those saves? Yeah, I think he probably does. But like, they still both have to make them. Um, and they create a lot of chances. Saturday, they could have easily been way further ahead uh, before they slotted that one home. And Steele was a big reason why they weren't. So even though I still would have liked to have seen Bart start, <laughs> it, like, I thought that he was the only reason we were, we were sat there at 1-1 with 96 minutes on the clock, I think, without his saves we were we were in much deeper trouble so that's probably my shout for it yeah i don't think that's a bad bad shout especially how everyone was 
ripping the fact that Steel was even in the lineup to, to begin with. Yeah, I mean, there's a, it's it's not like there was any truly outstanding performances, but it was a good enough performance to get something from that game. And that's that's nothing to be sniffed at. This was a away game at one of the best sides in the Premier League who just got their best player back. Well, I didn't play a great deal of time, but he came on and made a difference, right? Uh, it's nothing to be ashamed of, really, if in that result, except the fact that it was just a galling, gutting finish. Um yeah, I, Van Hecker just defensively. I think if you want to, re, if we want to reel off some stats. He had eight independent defensive actions, the most tackles on the team. Like he was, he was very strong, especially considering he was he was pushed so bloody high up half the time. Four interceptions, double the closest of anyone else as well. Um, yeah, outside of that, we did talk about Billy Gilmore. His his range of passing is just is just so so good. Uh, there was one point I was thinking during this game, I would love to just have like three Billy Gilmores, uh, whereby you've just, they just spray and pass it. I mean, it'd be awful when you don't have the ball, absolutely horrendous. But like when you have the ball, you would just create so many unbelievable chances. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> God, imagine how tiny that midfield would be as well. Just the weakest midfield ever. Um, yeah. Just, just if you lose the ball, it's game over. Yeah. 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 It's a small problem. Yeah. It's Literally. not great. Um, yeah, uh, all right. Well, let's let's shout out our best buds at Green King. Uh, we're obviously pleased to announce that this episode uh, of the podcast is sponsored by Green King Sport, where football is more than a game. Uh, Green King Sport venues are showing every single televised Brighton fixture over the 23 24 season, uh, and with more than 900 sports pubs across the UK, doesn't matter where you're based, you can catch every single minute of the action. Uh, if you download the Green King Sport app, you won't just get 10% off all drinks anytime there's any time on a match on TV. Butchered that. Uh, but this month, there is also thousands of points of free Guinness to be won uh, and a chance to win one of six holidays as well. Um, that could be a sneaky little like, pretend Valentine's present. Do we know where the holidays are too? Is it just no. is it the Guinness factory? Quite unbelievably, there's no actual destination here. Uh, so I'll provide that feedback. Skegness. Um, yeah, <laughs> Blackpool. Uh, that's that's where you're headed. Um, but presuming it's somewhere nice and warm, which I'm assuming it will be, uh, get yourselves down there, get the app, get logged in, get yourself registered. Um, because if you win, it's Valentine's Day in two days. You've absolutely smashed it, haven't you? You've nailed that Valentine's Day. Here's a free holiday. I did it all for you. So... Let's talk about a couple of things before we wrap as well. Uh, AFCON, how much did you watch of the African Cup of Nations and the Asian Cup, really? Because we've had both of them wrap up this week. Uh, how much did you watch of, of those specifically uh, yesterday's final uh, where Mr. Odingra played the full 90-odd minutes? For I saw a total of 40 minutes of football across both competitions. And I think that's enough to draw an absolute ton of conclusions. Um, so, and it was it was the last forty minutes of the final. Uh, I, I do want to bring up what Stephen mentioned here, though, in the chat. Is I'd like to see Adingra take Matoma's area on the left hand side and use Matoma as the the forward, the centre forward. I don't know about Matoma there. It's a weird one because I agree. Like what I saw of Adingra and what I hear from people that actually did pay attention to the Afghan is he was. Fantastic on the left-hand side. We know that he played um, at USG on the left-hand side where he was very, very, very good. And it's almost like you wonder how much more effective a Dingra could be 
playing on that left-hand side um, for us and then seeing what we can get out of Matoma elsewhere. Clearly, they like Matoma cutting inside and being able to then come onto his favourite right foot. But, yeah, I'd be interested in seeing what that looks like a little bit differently. The Dingra, for that second goal where I don't know how Sebastian Allaire even did what he did to score that, but great ball straight into the box there. Like, it was a good delivery. Um, and there was a few I, that weren't scored as well. He must have put in about six yesterday. I thought that were like, holy shit! Like they could have scored. I mean, he was man of the, wasn't he man of the match? Or was yeah? He, I mean, that's nothing. That, there were a lot of good players on that pitch. Like uh, Victor Osman, he hasn't done much at the Fcon as a whole, right? But he's broadly regarded as like one of the best strikers in football. Um, it's just a matter of how much people can pay Napoli for his services. Ivory Coast, despite the group stages, have a bunch of really seasoned, high-quality players as well. And this is a this is a kid that who's really not played much football for us, who was the best player on the biggest game, uh, in the biggest game. That's remarkable. Yeah, it's absolutely mental. Um, and Ivory Coast, like, what, what, what a journey they've had as well, right? Like, they... For anybody who's not been following the AFCON at all, they lost to Nigeria and the Equatorial Guinea in the group stage, right? Obviously, they're big favourites to win the whole thing. When you look at their starting 11 and bench, like, if you play Football Manager or FIFA, you're like, yeah, that's an actually stacked ass, like, it's beyond stacked team. Like, if you're not, if you don't follow European football at all, like, but you do play any of those games, you know it's a stacked team. If you follow any European football, you know their team is beyond stacked uh but if you've not really followed afghan or you don't really know any of the teams at all they were they were pretty heavy favorites to to win the tournament it was in the ivory coast as well so they were all over like the the top option well they beat guinea bissau first game 2-0 as expected and then they went and lost their last two group games against nigeria and equatorial guinea their third game equatorial guinea they got battered 4-0 they presumed that they were out at this point. So they fired their manager. They got rid of him. They then find out that they get through to the knockout rounds on the basis that everyone else was so shit that those three points were enough to take them through as one of their like wildcard runner-ups. They then asked the French Federation for a manager on loan who told them to go kick rocks, basically. Uh, so they have to make do with what they've got in their current kind of federation. Uh, they then go on to the group stage. They beat the they beat Senegal on penalties, I believe. Uh, yeah, penalties. Uh, so they go all the way to go all the way to penalties with Senegal, and they were one 0 down in that game. Come back, take it to penalties, win the game. They then go and play Mali and have the same thing happen in the in the knockout. They go one 0 down and come back to win two one. Nine against 10. Like, this is peak AFCON football, by the way. Just unbelievable magic. And then they get through to the semi-final. They play the Democratic Republic of Congo, and they finally start to, like, show that they're actually doing all right. Win that game 1-0. Get through to the final. Go 1-0 down again (laughs) in the final. And then win it 2-1 at the end with no manager. And a lad that's just, you know, what, like 18 months ago, got over testicular cancer and then scores the winner. And Brighton's player wins young player of the tournament 
and gets two assists in the final and wins player of the match in the final. Like, as a Brighton fan, amazing. As a neutral watching the AFCON, amazing. As an Ivory Coast fan, horrendous. It must have just been the most stressful four weeks of football you've ever seen. Imagine if England did something like this. <laughs> I, well, I would love for us to just do the first part where we fire Southgate. It doesn't even matter about the rest of it. I just want to see that bit. But no, it's what annoyed me most of all, by the way, and that was a good recap. I can't believe you actually remembered all that. The When we recorded a podcast a couple of weeks back, I think it was just me and Robin, and I was talking about how, oh, at least we need to get Edingra back soon. Because <laughs> that was at the point where they just got battered and they fired the manager. And we thought, well, this is, they're certainly, they're done. Let's get him back. And then, of course, the you know, unexpected occurred, as you, as you so uh, aptly put it. Yeah, absolutely mental. Um, and I, I'm really looking forward to seeing the, the stuff we put on for Dingo once he comes back. Obviously, the World Cup is very special. Uh, but this is, for for a team like the Ivory Coast, like for a nation like the Ivory Coast, for a player like a Dingo, like, this is huge for him. Like I'm looking forward to seeing what we do for him. Um, I don't know if you saw all of their like well wishes and stuff they sent to him on like the Instagram, like the Brighton Instagram and stuff. Uh, but like the club were like fully brought into it, like they're loving life for him. Like I'm looking forward to seeing the stuff uh, that comes out of it. I'm not looking forward to seeing the state that Adingra returns in. I suspect he may well just about make the bench against Sheffield United if we're lucky. Um, I suspect he may well be over there for a few days yet. And I suspect the state he comes back in is not quite as optimal as Son and Mitoma. He was, oh my, he was, he was, a, he was the outlet in that game for so, so far towards the end, we were still just running and running. It looked like it was hot as balls there as well. Uh, like I, he must be, oh God, worn down at the pitch. Like there was certain parts where, the players would go in and just the turf just came up in large chunks. It's like, God, it's a miracle that he's not come back with a completely like crushed ankle. So yeah, outside of all the, the beer that he'll inevitably down after this as well. Yeah. Hopefully we're going to give him a little bit of a, a break, but you know, it's interesting because it goes back to, you know, this conversation about the left-sided player, like if he comes back, Notte's actually been not that bad on the right side, but obviously you still lob a dinger in primarily there. But then you, we've got, maybe this is a segue into Valentin Barco because he, he just uh, provided, right, to, to put Argentina in the Olympics. Am I saying this correctly? It was under, so, yeah. It was an under 23s game and that made them qualify. Um, he's a guy that's going to want to play on that left hand side as well, probably. Like, what are we doing with all these lads? Yeah, there's, yeah, we're sport for choice. And 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 then it makes that Ansu Fati situation a bit more clear, doesn't it, really? Like, if if he can't stay fit and things aren't going well, I mean, look at the names we've got coming in. Like, when we're just not going to be that interested in keeping him. Why? This is a that? weird conversation to have, a very yeah, weird is. conversation to have. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is really, really, really odd. Um but yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to having a dinger back. Uh, and I think we've got one last thing to talk about before the end, uh, before we wrap. I do want to take a moment as well just to talk about one of our big listeners that have been listening for a long time now. He loves, uh, he's always in the chat, Stephen Mitchell, absolutely always. Uh, I'm gutted to hear that his dad passed away last week. 
uh, 87, uh, Arthur Mitchell. He was a true Sussex guy from in- East Grinstead. Um, just wish you all the best, Stephen. Hate to hear it, mate. Uh, and, you know, our thoughts are with you. And I just hope everything goes as well as it can do. Yeah, agree. And Stephen is always, Stephen always puts stuff in our chat while we're talking, when we're recording. And it always invariably, there's one or two each episode where it, you'll see one of us like crack up if you watch the 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 live stream and it's inevitably one of steve's messages so yeah keep that keep that sense of humor up as much as you can mate yeah um one last thing to cover uh and it's an exciting one because the europa league final stage is back and finally underway uh, the group stage feels like it finished forever ago uh but we are back this week uh, Thursday, February the 15th. We have four games kicking off at 5.45, four games kicking off at 8 o'clock, all UK time. So do the do the conversions uh, wherever you are. Um, here's your list of games that are going on, uh, Adam. Feel free to pick any out of here that you want to talk about, a.k.a. please don't give us these teams or please do. Uh, Feyenoord against Roma, Young Boys against Sporting Lisbon, Galatasaray against Sparta Prague, Shakhtar Donetsk against Marseille, uh, Benfica against Toulouse, Braga against Karabag, AC Milan against Rennes, and Lens, 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 whatever you, however you bloody how you say it, against Freiburg. Um, what names stand out to you there that you're hoping we do not draw in the next round or they just don't make it to the next round? Which one of those groups are you thinking you know what i don't care who wins that game i want the winners of that i don't really want to face any of them uh <laughs> I, I mean there's there's a couple there where you're like you know braga carabag i'll take a punt on that one yeah give yeah me. galatasaray prague as well was my other one uh no i'm uh no i don't want to face galatasaray i really don't Why want not? to face galatasaray uh they're top of the uh, Turkish Super League. Uh, I looked them up yesterday. They've got who have they? Obviously, we don't really care about one of their players um, for obvious reasons. But I'm trying to look at their squad if I remember correctly. God, yeah, actually, that, that would be horrible, wouldn't it? I remember looking. I literally looked at them yesterday and thought to myself, "Oh Christ, I wouldn't really want to play against these guys." Um, I mean, they've got Mertens, Zaha, Zaha, Ziyech. Uh, Davinson Sanchez, <laughs> a, a 400 pound tongue guy in, in Dombele. Uh, and they sound a, like they should play in the Saudi league. Yeah, I, I mean, that roster. that's a weird setup. They've got a few decent, decent players in there. And I'm trying to, where are they at? Yeah, they're, they're top of the league above Fenerbahce. Um, They've only conceded 14 goals in 25 games. So, no, I, I do not. And also, you never want to play in Turkey in European football night because their stadiums are always absolutely, yeah, like, nutty. So, no, I wouldn't want that. Um, could we final Roma's weird? Because Roma obviously lobbed out Mourinho not that long ago. I don't even know who's managing at this point. Um, I don't know if you'd necessarily fancy that. Never want to face the Portuguese teams. I don't know why. Maybe it's a similar vibe for me with Turkey, where I think the atmosphere could be very, 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 very tricky for for a team like ours. And I say that in the nicest possible way, but 
we've seen on occasion our team can get overawed by a big atmosphere like that. I think we saw a little bit of that in Marseille. Um, Milan's the big one you absolutely don't want to face, right? For obvious reasons. Well, I think James has said it too, like Shakhtar as well. Like, Deserby's old club is not one you want to have either. Well, Marseille are going to batter them, aren't they? Probably, but I mean, James is saying he'd love to play. I think it depends on your preference. If you're, if you live, if you, if you know you can get tickets and go and see Brighton play at the San Siro, then absolutely you want Milan. Absolutely you do. For someone like me who sat across the other side of the world that gets to watch the team and want us to continue through this as long as possible, I would rather avoid Milan indefinitely. Your team Carabag. Give way. me Carabag. Give me the unsexiest. <laughs> cr- I don't want to know any of the players. I don't want to know where the stadium is. I don't even want to know the city. I just give me them. Yeah, just the most awful possible option. Where's the young yeah. boy? Somewhere in Switzerland? I don't care. Yes. Give me them. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. They play Lisbon, so probably not going to happen. But we'll see. Um, yeah, it's one to really keep an eye on. First leg coming up Thursday, second leg, obviously next week. And before you know it, we're talking, we're talking, we've got a whole segment on this show where we're talking the draw. So it's coming up very quickly. God, it's, uh, exciting. it's 11 days, right? 11 days, 23rd of February, 11 days yep. as a recording, which is crazy. Yeah. Uh, it is not far away. Um, Sheffield United up next, uh, absolutely battered them in the cup. Um, they, Went to Luton this weekend and absolutely destroyed my accumulator uh, because I thought, well, that's going to be an easy Luton win with the form Luton are in. Nah, let's not let's not go like that way. Let's just have Sheffield United pick them apart in their home stadium. Um, so they've had a bit of a bounce. Uh, what are we thinking with the Sheffield United game? Uh, all these returning players, you've got to start thinking about bringing some of them in properly, haven't you? Like if Fatty's fit, I, like I'm starting him. On, on are you? Yeah, I am. Oh, I don't think I am. I'm starting over Lalana. Yeah, I do. It's mm, yeah, yeah, sure. Um, having said, I, I don't know. I mean, this I don't know. This game is confusing to me because we had that horrendous home draw against them. Uh, yep. earlier on in the season, we obviously, as you say, we we played them in the cup not that long ago and it was very comfortable they're absolutely crap but yeah they've just shown up Luton and the the sides like that intimidate me I just I don't know I, I, my my hope here is that we can absolutely destroy them uh yeah it's hard to know if that's going to be the case yeah fingers crossed um, James in the chat asking when the next show is. Uh, it will be uh, pretty much right after Sheffield United um, sometime that afternoon, evening, or Monday night, like it is right now. Um, I'll be at the game. Uh, I think Robin is as well. So uh, it'll either be an American special uh, or we'll wait until at least one of us is home and hop on that night and do three or four of us if we can. Yeah. We're um, going to want you. We'll want the, if you've been at the game, we're going to want your, your hot takes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we'll see. Um, but it will be sometime Sunday night or just same sort of time on Monday, really. Uh, so have you got anything else you wanted to cover? Well, one final thing just on that was, uh, I'm pretty sure I've read about people saying Basuma came up to the Brighton fans after the Spurs game, gave a round of applause. 
Um, I, I can't confirm or deny that actually being the truth. So if someone was there, let me know. But if it was, that makes me respect him a little bit more. Um, Valid. Which would be, yeah, I didn't even read about that. I, I literally like I turned off everything after that game. Like I tuned out of everything BHFC. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think it's wise. But, you know, Basuma still fondly sits in my memory in the sense that I know there was a weird little period of time there with him, but he was very, very good for us. I know we quickly shifted out. It's like we, we got the rebound girlfriend in and she was like, maybe she is a little bit <laughs> more attractive in Kaiseido. And suddenly we forgot all about Eve Basuma. But we didn't Eve see Basuma all the red flags. Was, no, we didn't see all the red flags. <laughs> Uh, and then yeah she upgraded from us but yeah the point is Basuma was fantastic for us and um, I know he didn't leave on the same terms as like Alexis McAllister where no one has ill will towards Alexis McAllister Basuma was still fantastic for this club and I would take him back in a bloody heartbeat yeah I don't I don't really have too much ill will against Basuma Um, he you know he played it out to the end of the season and got his move like that was the end of it like I've got a lot more annoyance towards Caicedo for the way he acted, Kukurea for the way he acted, uh, Sanchez for the way he acted. Ironically, you can see where all these people are going. Yeah, the, uh, the Chelsea and, ones are scum. Yeah. And a, and a little bit Trossard too, because he was an absolute bitch about it. Um, and I, I'm glad I'm glad to see him doing so well in a way, because I, I just can't be bothered to hold a grudge against people for that long unless they play for Chelsea. But, like, it's just one of those things, I think. Um, yeah, I think that's everything then. Uh, also... <laughs> let's just take a second to all laugh at West Ham because uh, that was a really funny response. oh god so good <laughs> so good wow just obliterated in their own library of a stadium <laughs> uh, yeah they uh, they it was so nice to witness a team take apart anti-football like that like it was a, it was like a, it was a victory for the people that game that's what it felt like a victory for the people yeah, for the wrestling fans out there, it was the it was the closest Arteta is ever going to come to a face turn to become a good guy again, ever. Just destroying it, West Ham like that, uh, because he's been widely regarded as an absolute prick for months now. So, fair is play there to a him chance we we play them in the Europa at some point two rounds from now? Don't know. I mean, I suppose if we all keep winning, inevitably we will in the end. Yeah. I'm just not sure when that changes. Is it not the quarters? Can you not play your own nation in the quarters? Yeah, maybe. Is it only the round of 16? You can't. I think it's after the round of 16. It's like basically all bets are off. The seeding is gone at that point. What I can't get access to as much as I would like anymore is when you grew up and you had those World Cup charts that you put up on the wall and you saw the groups and the, all the routes that you get to the final and it was easy and you could see it. Now, I and feel you can like write you them have- on. You write them on, and I feel like you, you cross England out immediately, right? Because yeah, I, I, I feel like I feel like you can't. It's hard to find that now. The, the, the website for the Europa League and all that stuff is so crap. I want to see all the potential outcomes, um, but I would love to. I'd love to face West Ham at some point and and destroy them. I would love. I'd love for that to happen. Well, imagine if it was in the final as well with Despicable, their champions of Europe. Bullshit. Yeah, yeah. Oh. yeah. crying. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> all right. We will we will be back next week, uh, sometime Sunday evening or Monday uh, to talk Sheffield United. Uh, it's quite nice to just have like a full week off for a bit um, post Christmas. Uh, I suspect that 
well, I suspect the team are absolutely loving it for a little bit, but I think it's nice for everyone, really, just to have a bit of a break uh, instead of this just constant deluge of football that is full of stress uh, because it will be back pretty soon, starting with the end of the month uh, with the FA Cup and then Europa League back and everyone just being stressed. So enjoy the weeks off for what they are uh, and we will be back next week. Thanks all. Appreciate it. Thoughts to you, Stephen.